On Yangaseo, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists, discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some deck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, Megan. Hello. <laughs> I know we're missing our Midwest moderator. <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be, we're on this little string of like, you know, transitioning into summer. And so, you know, our schedules get a little bit more muddled and this is the week that we are out Amy. And now I get to have this odd, quiet room with just Megan. And next week I will be gone and it will be Amy and Megan. So it's kind of funny when it's just two people. It is, but it kind of works out because obviously it is sometimes hard to schedule that all three of us watch the same dramas on a schedule, you know, so that we do deep dives at the same time or whatever. So it is kind of nice because then we can do dramas that maybe only two of us have watched or something, which will be the case with this one. And while we're missing Amy, Amy is certainly not missing us because she had zero desire to watch the drama that we will be talking about today. (laughs) Like (laughs) anti-desire. And just to set the scene, so I'm in California and we are entering a heat wave here. So by the weekend, we should be having like a huge swath of the state should be hitting over 100 degree temperatures. And I'm on the coast and it's already like effing hot. And like, I don't know from wherever you're listening or world you're in, like, it's just like, this is a very temperate climate here. Like we really hover between kind of 55 and 75 for like 90% of the year, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm throwing out these stats like I know, but I'm just guessing. So there's no air conditioning. We don't have like, you know, anything to like deal with the heat when it comes. So it makes it just extra fun. And what's making it worse is that usually you get this heat more like in September, but we're getting it now and we're also in extreme drought. So that's like making the fire season, you know, who knows, we might be in like a giant inferno pretty soon. I really hope not. But all of this to say that it really feels very well-timed for this podcast, because in this show that we will be watching today, it's really hot most of the time. They're sweaty the whole time. And the characters just look super sweaty and super stinky. So I brought a cold beer (laughs) and this show is going to get crazy today. So just like Tale of the Nine Tales, I wanted to do the sound effect of what I needed to bring to talk about what we're talking about today. There we go. You're making me want one. I'm tempted to call my daughter and be like, go get me a beer. So (laughs) I actually, maybe this ties into it too, because they get beat up a little bit in this drama. So I play soccer in an over 30 women's recreational league. And I haven't played for over a year because I stopped last March because of COVID. I was not going to be running around with people (laughs) during a pandemic. So I'm vaxxed now. And I was like, I'm vaxxed and back. And so last night was the first game. I mean, I am out of shape, but I've been like trying to walk and stuff like that. I've been trying to not like completely be a lazy loaf, but it's nothing like sprinting, kicking, stopping and starting. Like it's nothing like that. I am so sore today. Like I truly do feel like I got thrown against a door like Siwan did in this drama. Like I'm feeling it. It feels a little rough. So yeah, I just had like a little bit of coffee to like get me through. I had to to take some Advil. I'm such a mess, but it's okay. So I kind of feel like I'm really in the sweaty, sore mood to discuss Strangers from Hell. And this is actually good because if a serial killer ever does come for you, you know, physical fitness is a big part of the strategy. We talked about this during our train to Busan. And this might gel up with human murderers as well as the undead. So, okay, this drama, I do want to just give like a little bit, like, I think we just have to spoil it. I mean, I think if you're listening, you're probably falling into one of two categories, maybe three. You have no intention of watching this drama, but you like us, so you want to hear what it's all about, and that's fine. You are not sure if this drama is going to psychologically destroy you, because I've had lots of people on Instagram being like, I want to watch it, but like, right. I'm kind of a baby. And I was like, maybe just listen to the podcast so you know what you're signing up for, because I really don't want to be making the call 
of like ruining someone's inner child, you know, <laughs> or you've seen it and you want to hear about it. So I feel like those are like the three camps that we're in. So in that case, I mean, like, look, even though like we're going to spoil stuff, I feel like it's still a show that like I kind of knew what I was getting into going into it. Yeah, you do. And you still just kind of have to experience the whole thing. Also, okay, so this drama too very much is like a journey. I mean, it's like when we read romance books, we know there's going to be a happily ever after. It's how they get there. And this drama, like I kind of knew it wasn't going to end great. Like, you know, they're setting you up for it to just end bad. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's okay. But it was honestly the journey of them getting there and like what these characters went through that. So I feel like us talking about it isn't going to ruin that experience. Like you can still watch this no matter what we say about the drama, you can still watch it and get the full effect. Agreed. Because visually it's like, that's what makes the drama is kind of the visuals and everyone being so sweaty. <laughs> and I think the ending, I will give a final spoiler, maybe right at the very end, because our last part of the discussion is talking about the ending. But even that is really subject to interpretation. There's a whole lot of theories on how it ends. So it's not a clear cut ending as well. So even that's not like a total spoiler, although I will go into a couple of the theories and talk about them. So but we will give a heads up before we get to that. So I don't know, Megan, should we get to it? Let's get into it. Strangers from Hell. So, based on a webtoon comic series by Kim Yong-ki, Strangers from Hell is the story of young, fresh-faced Yoon Jong-woo, played by Siwon, an idol from ZEA and romantic lead in Run On. And he is a wannabe crime novelist who wants to get out of the country and into the city for a better life. His older university buddy has offered Jong-woo an internship in his startup. This also lets Jong-woo live closer to his girlfriend who came to Seoul for work earlier. Unfortunately, Yoon Jong-woo might have starry-eyed dreams, but he's broke as a joke. Not only is his paycheck going to be low, he also needs to send money home. His dad isn't in the picture and his mother is raising a brother with special needs. Cheap rent is a necessity. His girlfriend already has a roommate. Jong Woo quickly realizes he can't afford a great place to stay. He can't even find an okay place to stay. His budget makes it clear that he's got one option and that's Eden Residence. A cheap ass dormitory with such amenities as a stifling oppressive shoebox sized closet, ahem bedrooms, grimy badly lit hallways and paper thin walls. Oh and you can get free eggs in the kitchen if you don't mind that they are rotten <laughs> and full of blood. Seriously, yum fucking yum. When they cracked the egg, when they were like, oh, and, there, and there's free eggs, hooray for the free eggs. And then they just start cracking them and they're full of blood. I was like, it's like fucking a Moogie's paradise right now. Oh my God. And she kept trying to offer him <laughs> eggs. I was like, lady, no one wants your freaking eggs. <laughs> and there's no context in this show. Like, nobody's ever, like, and the bloodiest <laughs> shit. At one point, he's just like, the one guy's just like, just don't eat the eggs because they're gross. And then you see other people like, I'm fine to eat these bloody amuki eggs. So anyway, so Jung Woo figures, you know what? He can suck all of this up until he's saved enough to move out or when his internship turns into full-time employment. But sucking it up isn't as easy as it sounds. Not only is it a sweltering summer, his shoebox bedroom doesn't even have a window that opens, and his neighbors are not cool. There's the red lipstick, overly friendly dormitory owner, Um Bok Soon, who's played by Lee Jung Un, best known as the housekeeper in Parasite, the mom in When the Camellia Blooms, and an actress who shows up in practically all drama. She's in Mr. Sunshine, which I'm watching right now as well. So this lady gives off a major creep factor in addition to her affinity for providing the free of charge bloody amuki eggs. And it gets worse from there. So across the hall is an angry gangster who hates him. Kitty Corner is a wife beater wearing sex pervert who watches hardcore porn all day with his door open and decorates every inch of his dirty, grimy, hellish room with dirty, explicit photos. Nearby are some creep-tastic identical twins who seem to have a lot of sadistic tendencies. And really, there's just a whole lot of hellish weirdos crammed together in this stifling sweatbox. <laughs> We're making this sound so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not where you want to live. So a temporary friend comes in the form of Seo Moonjo, played to perfection by our favorite Grim Reaper, Lee Dong-wook. This guy isn't down and out. In fact, he's a professional, a dentist who is friendly, if perhaps a mite obsessive towards Jong-woo. Jong-woo starts to suspect there's some weird shit afoot. <laughs> I mean, what gave him <laughs> <laughs> that impression? <laughs> For 
First, the previous tenant of his room mysteriously vanished. Second, the gangster across the hall disappears. He has a growing suspicion that someone has been entering his room. He has no idea that Lee Dong-wook makes it a hobby to watch him all the time through a pin-sized hole in his paper-thin wall. Claustrophobic yet? Oh, we haven't even gotten started. <laughs> when he watches him, he's watching with that smile. And also when he feels like someone's in his room, remember how he like gathers up just kind of like yeah. hairballs that he can find around because it's so dirty. And then he would like just strategically place them on his laptop to like see if it's been moved. I mean, it's pretty smart. Yeah, but he like just gathered filth and like bundled it up and rolled it into little balls. Okay, so, uh-oh, soon we have dead cats appearing around the neighborhood. Wait, scratch that. Bags. Literally plastic garbage bags full of dead cat. Uh-oh. And all the Eden residents who are not disappearing really love to eat this raw, kind of purplish marinated meat that has a flavor that Jung Woo just can't decipher. But it's on the house, just like the eggs. You can help yourself to this meat. But he knows he doesn't like the flavor, and this fact seems to weirdly disappoint Moon Jo. So, you will watch this being like, move the F out of Eden residences. But it's a false choice because it's like the Hotel California. Zhang Wu is a member of the urban poor and he can't leave. He is trapped by his financial circumstances, by capitalism, by the fact that in the city of haves and have-nots, he is a knot who is breaking his nails to bloody nubs trying to climb the ladder of opportunity and that promise of capitalism. But instead of getting a hand up, he is getting boot after boot in the face. And the further he gets knocked down, the more his paranoia grows. Are these weirdos in his dorm actually murderers? Is he being stalked by the dentist who seems to be grooming him for something? Is his former friend turned boss trying to steal his girlfriend? Are all the places he's told not to go in Eden residence really as creepy and sinister as they seem, like the fourth floor? (laughs) The answer to all of this is yes, 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 yes. Oh, hell yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know how like in movies, like people like sometimes characters are really paranoid and you're like, oh my God, like none of that's happening. Everything he's paranoid about is happening. And it's also happening even worse than he can imagine. Like it's worse than what his paranoia suggests. You know what I mean? But the other people not in the residence like are like, oh, he's just being ridiculous and like hyperbolic. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it's like, no, he actually is not being hyperbolic enough. So Zhang Wu has moved into a place where a motley found family of murder enthusiasts have acquired a taste for human meat and harvest from the poor, hapless, unlucky people who end up getting a room there. Yes, I just read all that. And yes, that is the drama. <laughs> Luckily or unluckily for Zhang Wu, Moon Zhou has determined he wants to be besties with him. <laughs> In fact, he wants Zhang Wu to give into his suppressed rage and become a murdering bestie with him. He wants to give him a friendship bracelet, except his is made of human teeth. No, really. It really, truly is. <laughs> no, really. He has literally made of human teeth. Okay, well, that about sums up the premise of Strangers from Hell. Let's jump in. Amy, as you're editing this, I hope you're having a great time already. <laughs> I loved so much writing he wants to give him a friendship bracelet made of but it's made of human teeth. When I saw the bracelet, I was like, I can't. I can't even with this bracelet. Leah, that that was absolutely genius writing right there. I'm really impressed. Like I'm really into it. Because it really is a friendship bracelet made of human teeth. That's literally you're right. That's literally what he does. I just never thought of word. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's like making it for him. Like, you know. All right. So what's your initial hot take on this? drama Megan what brought you in and did it live up to your expectations yeah so I watched this drama because Leah was going crazy over it and so she watched it first and I'm always down for like a good kind of creepy horror movie every once well horror anything every once in a while okay so I can't take it all the time but I can do one every once in a while and I was mostly interested to see Lee Dong-wook as a serial killer I mean that probably is what made me decide to watch it and it honestly exceeded my expectations because I guess I thought it was going to be kind of like Hannibal-esque, if that makes sense. Like I thought it was going to be almost like a riff on it, I guess I would say. And really it wasn't. This was completely unique. I mean, I haven't really seen anything. You know what I mean? So it was creepy and it really did keep you guessing and it was extremely suspenseful. I mean, I squirmed multiple times and I actually, this is what I said. So it felt to me like I was being edged but in a horror movie way and 
if you don't know like what edging means, it's usually like, you know, like a kink term. It's kind of like when you delay sexual gratification. And that's what I felt like this movie. I was just like, oh my God, I'm being edged with horror. Like when's like the actual climax going to happen? It was just like suspense after suspense, like build up after build up. And it was done fantastically. And I think that's a great point to really bring up is like, if you're making a choice of whether or not to watch this, like it is not like a gore fest throughout, right? It is this like slow ratcheting of just like, you know, it's not going anywhere good. But like that edging term, the horror edging, I think is really like, what's your capacity for horror edging? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't like know my limit until I watched this. Did you have a safe word or did it take you to where you needed to go? I wanted to safe word out of this trauma a couple times. (laughs) When they brought out the meat and I was like, they didn't even cook the fucking meat. They like to eat it just with like, and they were like, oh, it's seasoned so well. It's just strips of raw meat. No, when she would mix it with like her hand and you could like her fingers. Yeah. And you could hear the like sloshing of the raw meat. I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. Oh my god. I know. So what sort of person would you wreck this drama to? (laughs) (laughs) Sickos like myself. No. Okay. I mean, I do have to first say that like, okay, like I had to reflect and do some soul searching. I'm like, am I a hypocrite? Because like Train to Busan, I was like not into. And then I'm like, but strangers from hell. They really are totally different though. They're completely different. Cool. And so I think we can talk about that a little later right. between like like zombies and I guess like murder movies. Right. But for, okay, the kind of person that I would wreck this to is like, if you like Silence of the Lambs, you know, you're probably going to enjoy this. Anyone who's like, I think a fan of upmarket psychological thrillers would probably enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. Jordan Peele's Us or Get Out. And a fun fact, my son and I were extras in Us. It was shot primarily in Santa Cruz. And you can see us on the beach in one of the scenes. American Psycho, Black Swan, Misery, The Shining. And I actually had to go and look up the difference between horror and thriller because I wasn't sure which one I'd classify this as. And after reading up a bit, I honestly still feel like I could like split the difference because, you know, by definition, it appears that horror is the seemingly inevitable but predictable doom where the climax of the movie is either like getting away or stopping the evil or like being like consumed by the evil and then thrillers are all about like a tension-filled story that's not predictable and it's really equally both I found it incredibly claustrophobic and got a sense pretty damn quick that no one was going to make it out of Eden Residence unscathed. No. But I mostly just felt like you said, it's supremely tense and anxious watching it. It wasn't like, and I haven't watched these because I actually don't watch gory horror, but I would like, it's not like a saw or a human centipede. What it felt like was getting my tooth pulled out really, really slowly with no Novocaine for <laughs> lead on books. What a recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to be listening to this like, why did you do this to yourself? Because it was lead on. I saw lead on look at serial killer and then see one. And I was like, okay, I've just watched run on. And like, yeah, he didn't grip me in it, but I did like him. But oh my God, after watching this, I was like a hardcore stand for see one. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you. I like that it's almost a mix between a horror and a thriller. I mean, but it's definitely like about the tension and it's about this like building of anxiety. That's kind of what it's like. And I've seen, you know, movies and shows where they've done like paranoia, but I feel like this paranoia was done better and I don't know why maybe because I felt like Siwan like gave into the paranoia like he like immersed himself in it and he didn't try to like get out of the situation because he didn't move out because he really couldn't but you know what I mean he was honestly amazing I mean I've now watched him in two dramas since Run On and I like I mean I thought he was fine in Run On I didn't connect to that drama overall for various reasons I went over in that podcast but I mean I thought he did an okay job right I felt like he was freaking transformative and this amnesty which I saw him in but in this I really felt like we were on a journey with this guy oh totally and he was like a great everyman right like he was just a great Joe Schmo from the country who like we could all relate to as he slowly was like WTF is happening yeah he's like a good-looking guy he had a pretty girlfriend you know he seemed like he had a lot going for him if he would just kind of have like a little bit of luck but unfortunately (laughs) 
The opposite of luck. <laughs> the opposite. Except for, I guess, that Lee Dong Wook didn't want him for dinner. He just wanted him for who knows what he There you go. I mean, that's true. He didn't want to eat him. Or he might. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, like, I actually never put in anything about the sexuality in the drama. I think we should touch on it at some point. Like, definitely there were some homoerotic overtones coming from Lee Dong. I wouldn't say it was coming from Siwon. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Lee Dong Wook called him babe. He kept calling him babe. And they didn't, like, address that. And... I do think like Lee Don will kind of said a couple times, like, I know what you are because I am too. And it was kind of like, are you talking? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, are you talking about being a murderer or do you want a bone? Like, I don't know what. <laughs> I feel like it was quite intermeshed. I feel like he was explicitly saying like, yeah, like murderer like calls to like, but definitely Lee Dong Wook, I feel like had like an, a sexualized obsession with him for sure. Like in the shower when like they're in the showers together. Yeah, there was a, definitely a lot of like homoerotic like vibes and it honestly just enhanced the drama because it gave like this whole other layer it did it really truly did and lead on look honestly like i mean slow clap for like you know i follow him on social media through like the afternoon account and he is just like constantly like slinking around at instagram as like his model pictures and most of his dramas he's like obviously a good looking guy and in this he is too but like i just really appreciated that he took this role Truly, like it made me like respect him so much as an actor because I felt like this is not an attractive role to play whatsoever. And he sold it and embraced it. And he looked like he was honestly having fun. And that's like what you needed in this character. This character was having sick, sick fucking fun yeah. the whole time. And I really felt like Lee Dong Wook was having a great time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Lee Dong Wook is like objectively attractive. Like he plays incredibly beautiful people in incredibly beautiful dramas. So it really felt like a total mindfuck to see him because he was still so like ethereally beautiful in this like dingy place like he really stood out among all these like sweaty dirty people but yet he was like so creepy at the same time like I fell in love with his smile and goblin but he turned that smile into something totally sinister that like physically sucked the air from my lungs like I do have way more respect for his acting ability after seeing him in this role yeah oh and I don't know how he made his eyes go blank oh I know but he really did because he's got such beautiful eyes and like you were talking like in Goblin how like you know he could tell like he could have done the entire like Goblin show without speaking oh yeah just through his eyes and in this one I feel like he just somehow like pulled the curtain shut behind them he did how did he do that because he did it felt like there was like blankness there because he's like a psychopath yeah it was amazing that was crazy all right, so will you ever go to the dentist again without pepper spray? And why is the fact that Lee Dong Wook is a serial killer and a dentist so terrifying? Because it truly, like, it really is. <laughs> So I'm like way overdue for a dentist appointment thanks to COVID. And I'm honestly in no mood to go. So just the thought of someone reaching into my mouth right now <laughs> makes me want to hurl. So I'm going to talk about this book that I read and I don't remember the title and it kind of doesn't matter because it's a kind of like kinky, creepy book and it's like futuristic or whatever, but it's a gay romance and there is, again, it's futuristic. So it's like kind of set in space and the one character owes a lot of money to like I don't know, a space gangster. <laughs> and one of the things they do is they don't kill him because, you know, a dead person can't pay their debts, but they rip his tooth out without Novocaine. And that's like his warning. Uh -huh. And then what he does is he hires himself out, basically. Again, oh my God, Amy's going to listen to this going, what the hell? Anyway, <laughs> so he basically like hires himself out like sexually. And the guy who like buys his services is like a total kinky bastard. But one thing he does is he likes to like feel the character's name is Alex he likes to like feel in Alex's mouth like his, he likes to like feel his teeth and Alex is like he flinches so hard because all he can remember is like his tooth being ripped out and throughout this drama I kept thinking about that book because it was written really well like I could feel that this character in this book was like seriously traumatized by like the pain of having his tooth ripped out and then how anything in his mouth was like instant panic mode like he went into instant panic mode he would do like anything else but like that would freak him out and that's all i could think about so yeah i don't know i went off on a tangent but it sounds really good i want <laughs> it actually was it, it's good it's like a three book series and it's kind of cool because they end up having like a relationship but i was so creeped out by the teeth thing so then this drama i'm like i'm so scarred now like i'm never going to the dentist i hate teeth stuff like i'm <sighs> so i had a cleaning last week and somehow i didn't even think of this drama like i don't oh know thank 
thank fucking God. However, tomorrow, <laughs> going back, because I had like little trays made to like, I want to start doing like a little teeth whitening. So I'm going to go back in tomorrow. And obviously this is going to be fresh on my mind. So I'm going to be like, giving the shifty eye <laughs> to the dentist. Yeah, don't touch my teeth. <laughs> Don't don't give these to your friends, please. So, okay, we talked about this a little bit, but I mean, the cinematography in this was genuinely amazing. So how do you think that that affected your viewing experience? Yeah, so the way it was shot. So the cinematography reminded me a lot of the American horror movies like The Hills Have Eyes or Wrong Turn. So I'm talking like those American horror stories with like inbred cannibal, <laughs> like antagonists. You know what I'm saying? There's like, there's like, a million there's a whole bunch there's of, a vibe there's a there's a vibe there's a, there's a total vibe there's a bunch of movies like that and that's honestly i would say like the vibe i was getting visually when i watched this it was shot with a lot of like dull washed out tones like nothing was really bright you know what i mean like there was some sort of filter or whatever and everything was gritty every character was sweaty i mean sweaty all the time so sweaty and then obviously like dirty i mean just watching it kind of made my skin crawl in this like very visceral way and that only to me like heightened the psychological horror experience and i mean all i could think about was like i was gonna go crazy watching this drama like i couldn't imagine like living and sleeping in that situation and i think also what was really cool was juxtaposed to like that sweaty dirty because even like siwan would get fairly sweaty oh so sweaty is Lee Dong Wook never got sweaty he was like super pale his clothes were immaculate he always wore like white collared like tailored shirts and he somehow like kind of like moved through this entire like hellscape just like this clean angel of fucking death yeah <laughs> dental extraction death he really did you're right i mean it was like everything he did was like uh he, he did he was and well i'll get to this at the end but you know, when it comes to the murdering, he's even incredibly impeccably clean. Right? He puts on this, like, plastic apron. It's, it's great. He's, like, all prepared. He's got plastic everywhere. Like, no shit's getting on him. Let's put yeah. it that way. Okay. So, just to switch gears, it's time for our favorite segment of the show, our K-pop wreck of the week. <laughs> so, all right. I am going to recommend gambler by monsta x so this is like their new comeback it just came out i know this episode will air a little bit later but yeah it just came out recently and i really like monsta x because their music feels a little bit more mature yeah they're more mature i mean they're a little bit of an older group and the song sexy they're sexy i mean they're one not this song but another song like the one rapper in this like really deep voices i want you to eat me like a main dish i mean it's just it's like okay these guys are the real deal okay so, yeah, I recommend Gambler by Monsta X. Maybe Lee Dong Wook could play that first you want at oh, some point. <laughs> Literally wants to eat you like a mean dish. Okay. So I did want to talk a little bit about the residences in Seoul, like because I felt like eating residence was such a huge part. It made me start to think like, I want to know more about like what the hell is up with like these living situations. So it went on a little bit of a deep dive. So around like the mid 2010s, it appears this term started to get used more and more commonly in South Korea, referring to the country overall as Hell Joseon. So Hell Joseon, <laughs> a satirical term that was used to describe the difficulties faced by young South Koreans. And the name harkens back to, you know, the centuries long Joseon dynasty, which wasn't all just about like sexy hats and hot guys that were like, in historical dramas, but it was a time when social hierarchies became entrenched and the gaps between the haves and have-nots widened. So, you know, again, to be reductive and hearken to all those jokes and historicals y'all might watch, you're either, Megan, help me with the works, I can never remember how to say it. Oh yeah, the Planquin. You're either in the Planquin or you're carrying someone else's ass around. So Strangers from Hell is pretty clearly intent on wagging the finger at a society that favors those born with a golden spoon in their mouths, leaving many behind gagging on their so-called dirt spoons. So, you know, in a lot of dramas we watch, Soul is bright lights, you know, penthouses and sexy chayball glamour. 
Not so in this show. So, you know, what's the deal with Eden Residence, which is essentially another, probably the most terrifying character in the whole drama. And like, do people really live in places like this, hopefully not being eaten by their neighbors? So my first thought was thinking about like the Oscar winning film for best picture, not this year, last year, 2020, Parasite, which also dealt with the conditions of the working poor. And in it, they highlight something, and I'm not exactly sure of the pronunciation, so I apologize, but like Bungie has but essentially semi-basement apartments. So in this congested city of Seoul, they're right in the mix, like the people living in these apartments with like street level squalor. Whereas meanwhile, the wealthy are geographically and elevationally living high above the fray. So in Strangers from Hell, they focus on these things called gauchetels. And Megan, at the bottom, I attached a link in the script if you want to just scan through some of the pictures. Yeah, I actually just did. And they look exactly like Siwan's room. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So they were apparently like buildings that were originally designed as like temporary accommodation, probably for people like students. And they had shared kitchens and bathrooms and these like small box sized rooms for personal space. But due to high housing costs, folks in lower incomes have no choice but to settle into these overwhelmingly cramped and claustrophobic conditions for the cheap rent, the fact you don't need to do like a down payment. And like reading through like, you know, some of the stories of people that live in these places, like many do use the roofs to get a little bit of freedom. And that's exactly what happens in this drama. Like, in fact, like a lot of like Siwon and like Lee Dong-wook's friendship, (laughs) if you want to call it that, begin like whatever. I think it starts as a friendship till Siwon is like, holy shit, this guy is like not okay. Right, right. And then it turns into like obsessive stalking, grooming, whatever. But it all happens on the rooftop of the Eden residence. And apparently that's like, they have these photos and like, I'll try to find a way to share some of these photos on social media when we do the, when we put the drama out. But like, yeah, you've got these like, imagine rooms that are the size, honestly, of like a walk-in closet. And that's like where you get to live. And then to like, get some space, you kind of like sit on the rooftop. But it's not like these cute little rooftop apartments from like K-Romance. It's basically just kind of like grungy rooftops. And I guess that's where you go like see some sunlight. Yeah, like I said, these pictures are exactly like what's in the drama. I mean, down to even like the layout of the rooms. So they definitely were pulling from reality. Yeah, and I feel like this drama came out in 2019. So I think it's really leaning into like a lot of that like hell Josen type of sentimentality. All right. So we kind of nodded to this earlier, but like if given a choice between zombies and psychological horror, what are you going to choose? Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to choose zombies like 100% because nothing will ever top my love for zombies. (laughs) And to be honest, I can really only take psychological horror in small doses. Like I won't watch something like Strangers from Hell for a long time. And not that I didn't enjoy it, but I really have to space that kind of stuff out. Or I don't know, I'm I'm a Pisces and I absorb that horror like a sponge. And I talked about why I like zombie movies so much because that genre is kind of specific. Like in the genre of zombie movies, like... There's always some sort of hope. Like, that's why I like them. Like, that's kind of usually, at least, the zombie movies that I like, there's usually some element of hope. And I would say, like, horror, like, psychological horror and, like, this drama, like, I didn't, there's no hope. Like, (laughs) I mean, it was like the death of hope. Eden Residence is, like, where hope goes to die. Be eaten. Be eaten. (laughs) With marinade. And have your teeth pulled out. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean and i feel like a hypocrite a bit because like yes i mean it's not it's a very different thing and i just don't like zombies but like i don't think i should have been maybe as like grumpy given that like you watch this i do lean on i don't mind a psychological horror it is definitely something i have to take in doses i feel like the last time i watched one was hereditary so that's been a while because i saw it in the theater but i remember suggesting that to my husband because he wanted to see what was the all woman oceans like oceans 8 oceans 11 i don't know there was like an ocean one of those like hmm, i forget but i know it's, yeah i strongly dislike heist movies another thing that probably at some point i'll be shown a hypocrite for but i don't like heist movies so i was like let's see hereditary in the theater it'll be a fun date and like in it like a little girl gets her head like decapitated like probably like a quarter of the way through and he was just like wtf like i guess i just didn't appreciate how much he does not like psychological horror and people were like fleeing the movies there was like an exodus in the movie of people leaving oh my god really oh my really god. and i remember at one point he leaned in and i thought he was being cute because the movie like was creepy but it wasn't like crushing me and he just like leaned in and I was like what what is that he goes I hate you Ah! so much and I was like aha and he's like no I'm serious I'm serious (laughs) and I was like oh my god he is like he's like I'm in hell 
He's like, I fucking hate you right yeah. now. <laughs> and so anyway, apparently I like this from time to time. Although I like Midsummer is another movie. I, have you seen Midsummer? Well, I've watched all the clips of it. I don't think I would be able to immerse myself in that. Because I want to see that because that idea of the brightness. I think I'm going to wait till I get to Michigan because I feel like in Michigan it always stays light way longer because it's like where we live is like at the very end of like the Eastern time zone. So maybe I'll wait till this summer and like just torture myself with midsummer. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just love the idea of like ethereal people in white dresses being savages. So I guess it just hits me in some weird way. All right. So Strangers from Hell, like I've also seen it have the name and I think more of the direct translation, honestly, in Korean is meant to be hell is other people. And that's a famous quote by the existential philosopher Jean-Paul. Now, here's another word I cannot pronounce. I never know if it's Sartre or Sartre. I think it actually is Sartre, is but it? I always want to say Yeah, Sartre. I feel like I've always seen it, but who knows? Sartre, Sartre, yeah. whatever. Jean-Paul Sartre. You get it. So, sorry i have had a beer okay so what extent do you think jungwoo's descent into madness was inevitable or based on circumstances of his housemates <laughs> yeah i mean this is the big question of the drama I mean, I really think that this is what the director, writer, they want you to take away from this drama. I think this is what we are meant to ponder after we finish watching it. And I guess I would say that for Jung Woo, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I personally don't think that everyone, every human is capable of killing someone. Like, I do think there are many that are just not capable of doing it. But I do think there are many humans who can be driven to murder i mean based on the circumstances i mean obviously that's true because we have murder but i just mean you know i do think circumstances have something to do with it and you know for poor jung woo it just felt to me like a perfect storm like i do think that this drama struggled a tiny bit with some of the backstories of the different characters they tried to with him kind of acknowledge that when he'd been in the military you know he had at one point delivered like he'd been very carried away and a guy needed a beating he decided to beat him and he got carried away and like almost basically killed the guy and so i think they were trying to like establish that like he had this latent tendency yeah for violence i feel like that was like what they were trying to suggest i don't know if it like held really but like i felt like they were trying to like be like look look at this <laughs> and he is an author and he, he was writing crime which obviously you know as authors i don't think if you're a crime writer it means you're gonna you know murder people but you know he did seem very excited about writing his serial killer so i don't know so that's an interesting point too i think because like i do enjoy like this odd like psychological horror slash thriller genre like i like the shining things like that but i always thought like i don't really trust myself to write something like that because i don't really want to go into my darkness like i feel like i have a capacity for darkness i don't think i have a capacity to like take out people's teeth and eat them but like i get scared to think like what would be down there like i don't know it's just scary no i totally yeah like what would come out if i wanted to write like you know the most effed up stuff that's in my head what would come out and i don't think i want to know that either i truly don't that's why we write romance. i feel like it's really interesting like because there's a whole group of people out there writers who like we're focusing on like love and like the power of like <laughs> transformative power of love right there's other people who wake up thinking like i want to go and explore the darkest impulses of humanity and like i mean i find that fascinating kind of totally agree with you because what drives you to write because obviously i mean i i like obviously i respect that we're not saying that like they're murderers or anything no yeah but that's what i'm saying like what i do have to admit like how do you keep yourself a little sane writing that or do you get so like i mean like does it get to where like if you're dean Koontz or like stephen king that like we're talking about like when we write sex scenes like you know i mean a good sex scene you do like actually i don't know how to say this right now i mean like i said i've had a drink but like it's not like you're like sitting there getting like your rocks up you like you know when like it's good but i feel like i'm highly desensitized as like a reader now to like experiencing like the vast majority of like sexiness in books just because like it's such a part of like my work right. day when i write right but like with horror do you eventually just get to where you're just like i'm just gonna do these graphic disemboweling where they're like slurping down intestines and you're just like bloop, 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 it out. yeah like yeah i know oh man <laughs> 
like how do you kind of get through that i would finish writing that and be like so kind of like messed up in in my head for a while you know what i mean like i would have to like decompress for a while before i could like interact with like people yeah like then your kid comes in like mommy mommy i have, to, I have a question but then like i'll write a sex scene and then uh, it's work and then i just like leave and go make my kids mac and cheese like it's not like it affects me so maybe for i don't know i want to talk to someone who writes like really messed up stuff too, like-, like and i'm talking like like bloody gory the worst of humanity stuff i want to know come talk to us slurping up a uvula like with your chopsticks (laughs) (laughs) gross right gross Okay, so Lee Dong-wook and Siwon proved without question that they are both more than a pretty face. What is an aspect from their performances that lingers with you? Okay, so I think we have talked a little bit about, like, we obviously are Lee Dong-wook stands, and we thought he did a great job. But I want to touch on Siwon a little bit, because I feel like he is, like, an actor who does small things, and they have really big impact. And I don't think that he's like an actor that hams things up. I think he kind of airs on the more understated side. And for me, like, I think I've already acknowledged, like in Run On, I was kind of like so-so on like that impact. But having seen him now in these two other dramas, Me Sang and Strangers from Hell, I felt like his understated performances were just like incredibly impactful because when you do get an emotional rise, it's heightened. And I feel like the rest of his performance just feels very controlled but in a really like elegant way I don't know I really have just like so much respect for like how he embodied his character and what he brought to the drama I truly I thought it was a transformative performance and like when he came in I don't feel like he was cocky like yes he's like an attractive guy but like I felt like he really did feel a little bit like a country bumpkin coming into Seoul and I think his girlfriend was like really wrestling with like imposter syndrome so she was from the country too but she was really trying to like make it in this corporate world and it was going okay for her but I felt like she really had to like put on a mask to make it work and she was unwilling to like let that mask come off and acknowledge like kind of the fact it sucked really bad for herself and in that case she like kind of transferred a lot of that into Siwon so when he was looking for kind of like empathy or to be believed I felt like she was often just like you know what we're all dealing with shit like freaking suck it up like at work they're not super nice to me either like just deal although like her people being nice at work weren't like gobbling folks Right. I know. So I want to say about Siwon's performance is that he played, he had to be kind of repressed at the beginning. Like he, again, he was trying to make it in Seoul. I don't think he was confident in himself or his situation. And he definitely felt, I think, a little alien there. So he kind of really repressed a lot of his emotions. And especially at work, he had to deal with like a really crappy superior who was literally just like an uncalled for jackass to him. And he really had like stuff down his emotions. And I thought he played that really well. But then when he unleashed those emotions, it was pretty fantastic. I mean, I really loved Siwan's performance. Yeah, I do too. I really, I mean, and that's the thing is like, I do think that there's like the element of gore that I know some people cannot get past, like where there is some violence and just like that stress. But when it comes to like the acting, I really felt like both of them just like they hit it out of the park in terms of like what they brought to the screen. So that's where like, I always am like, if you think you can handle it, watch it because it's so good. Yeah. Like what they do is so good. All right. So let's say you feel like murdering. (laughs) If you had to murder someone in the cast... Who would you murder? Yeah, so Boxoon, the older woman owner of Eden Residence, she creeped me out. From like the very beginning, I think she creeped me out the most because she had this like too big smile, too loud voice, like lipstick on her teeth. Ah, I just didn't like her. And she basically groomed these men because we didn't really get into like the backstory, but basically the men in this residence were all orphans and she was like the director of the orphanage. So she essentially like groomed these men to be killers. And so I did not weep when she was axed in the face because that's what happened. She was axed in the face. It was great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
She really was. And actually, I was kind of happy about that, too. I guess I have a capacity for violence. But I will say that, like, again, I did feel like ultimately I gave the show kind of like a four out of five. I mean, like, is it enjoyable to watch? No. Is it amazing to watch? Yes. But I feel like the reason I dinged it slightly is they kind of address the backstory verbally, but I felt like it would have had more impact. Honestly, like, I don't always love flashbacks, but I feel like some sort of a flashback might have helped or just a little bit more clarity on, like, how she kind of built this family of murderers although Lee Dong Wook essentially like it there was a very subtle power struggle going on along the side where like it was either going to be her or Lee Dong Wook. I love that I actually loved that whole tension there between them because you didn't know what was going to happen I thought it was great I do too, but I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the dynamic because by the time we saw them now, I feel like we'd really moved into that transformational shift where he was getting the upper hand, like size-wise, physicality-wise, like just competency and murdering-wise, like he really was like it. Whereas I would have liked to have seen him, you know, bring in like the Pilgu actor or something, like a really good kid and like show me like how this, like, right. I believe that they're trying to say that like the, part of the argument was that murderers are made. Yeah, exactly. But remember I said, it was funny because her murder weapon of choice was poison. So in My Love from Another Star, that antagonist, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to give a split, but he just used poison. That's all. It did strike me as like weird. So I kind of, you know, then this drama was, I was like, yeah, that's like, a, you know. Yeah, you were saying from your crime, like, you know, your crime podcasting time that like poison is usually seen as the woman's weapon. Yeah. Whereas Lee Dong Wook was all about the, the blood and the teeth. Yeah, definitely. He didn't want his... <laughs> I'm thinking of Gollum. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah, he didn't want his victims incapacitated. He wanted them raw and wriggling. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So true. I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> if you could give a friendship bracelet made of human teeth to, who would it be? <laughs> Amy. No, <I'm> just <laughs> Amy. <laughs> Amy is hating us right now. Anyway, so actually my best friend is a physical therapist. She's a doctor. Yes, she's awesome. And, you know, I'm the dirty romance author of The Friendship and she's like this prestigious doctor at a really nice hospital but anyway so she clearly loves anatomy like she's really smart and like so she loves talking about muscles and bones so i would totally give her a teeth bracelet but like (laughs) but like ethically sourced (laughs) you'd have to get nick to like give it the certificate the red bubble certification nick i ethically source these teeth okay (laughs) oh my god okay so now we're gonna get to the real meat what? <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean it that way. Oh no. The real purple marinated, perfectly seasoned oh, no. finger licking meat. That might be the best pun since then. <laughs> so, the real meat of the drama, what the Sam hell do you think happened in the end? And first, I'm going to say I don't know, but then we're going to talk about theories, and I'll tell you kind of which theory I subscribe to. If you do want to watch this drama and you do not want to be spoiled, this is the time to turn off the off ramp because I feel like the entire culmination, it's a short drama, like 10 episodes, nine of these episodes are gutting for 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And it is not a clear cut ending. So we're going to go through that. So, okay. Here's your chance. Boop, 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 (laughs) boop. Okay. So I feel like this drama flirts a lot with the idea of like, will he or won't he? Like, will Jong-woo become the murderer or won't he? And Moon Jo is betting the house on the fact that, you know, he will. And he's a pretty smart guy for being a total monster. And ding, 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 it turns out he's right. Because by the end, we see our sweet little country bumpkin, Jong-woo, murder the fuck <laughs> out of his crazy ass neighbors. Although, be it, they were very excited to murder him back. So yeah. it wasn't like, you know, like they wanted to kill him too. So look, a lot. I mean, this last episode so much happens Mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to even try to like talk through it. So I don't think we can. There's Mm -hmm. just a lot that happens. But I think there's this giant WTF because we also see that after the porn pervert, the residence, creepy old woman, a Juma owner, and the like twin with the creepy laugh, they all get freaking killed by Jungwoo. We see him slash the throat of Lee Dong-wook's murder dentist And there's this whole idea 
I think that like Dr. Frankenstein gets killed by the monster he created. And some theories basically say that, you know, that's exactly what Munjo wanted. It's like, there's some theories that think like he was happy because he's kind of happy during this exchange. Oh, he's so happy. Yeah. He's like bleeding from the throat and he's like smiling that creepy smile. Yeah. And so there's this idea that like, this is what he wanted. And now he lives on in spirit and he's going to like be, I don't know, inside Jongwoo as he takes out his new side hustle as a budding serial killer. So I don't know, like, how do you feel with that theory? Yeah. I mean, I think that that is, that can be accurate. Like, I I think, I do think that that's what happens. I still don't know if Moonjo actually died. And that's where I just don't know what happened. I do think Moonjo, I do love that whole Frankenstein, like being killed by what you created. I do think that's what the drama was trying to do for sure. And I loved that aspect of it. I just don't know. There's other questions. So, you know, I was leaning that route, except for the fact that we, like, after this, like, murder fest happens, Jongwoo keeps seeing Moonjo out and about. And so does the policewoman. So there's a policewoman who's another major part of this drama we haven't really talked about. And she's the one that like kind of helps crack the case. But these are two, like Jungwoo and the policewoman are both incredibly traumatized by the entire experience. Like the policewoman almost gets murdered and eaten too. So like, are they reliable? Who's to say? And then we get this quick glimpse of Jongwoo chatting or well like arguing viciously with himself kind of like fight club from like the perspective of his girlfriend because his girlfriend gets kidnapped by moon joe and later we get this flashback through her eyes and no one's there like in the scene you thought he was talking to moon joe but then like you realize that like he was talking to himself right and he's like holding his throat as if his own throat was cut it gave me so many fight club vibes that for a moment i had to pause the drama and be like wait a minute wait a minute did moon joe actually exist but like he did exactly like is he real but he had to have existed there's a lot of yeah he had to because like he objectively had a dental practice that people went to and like non-crazy characters in the show went to him for care right so he did exist but there was like a total fight club moment that i actually like i thought it was great it was a total twist so exactly and that's when i went into the rabbit hole and went where all rabbit holes lead which is reddit and in reddit i found this theory that i feel like ultimately works best for me i'm kind of curious what you think it's by someone whose username is nuba3 and it is incredibly long like if you just search up like strangers from hell theories after watching the drama you will find it but it's giant so i'm not going to read it all but i do want to like read a hefty chunk because I feel like it really sums up what I think happened. Okay, so this is like a verbatim. I'm going to pause for your hot takes though, so you don't just have to listen to me read because that's no fun for anyone. Okay, so Nuba3 says, here is what I think happened. Moon Joe told Jongwoo he'll let him live if he, Jongwoo, kills everyone after giving him the teeth bracelet. Jongwoo then kills everyone violently. That's my own non sequitur. And then returns to the fourth floor to finish Moonjo off as well. We can assume he wants to kill him because he has a scalpel in his hands. But Moonjo, crazy and smart psychopath that he is, is not the least bit worried, which is what happens like on the screen. He stands there with his hands behind his back and calmly delivers the final blow to Jongwoo and finishes his greatest masterpiece. Quote, you had fun when you killed everyone here, didn't you? End quote. Causing Jongwoo to drop the scalpel as the sickening realization sinks in. It's even confirmed by the policeman stating that he kept stabbing and beating up his victims even after they were already dead. So he didn't just kill them. He like murder fested them. <laughs> yeah. And just so you know, at the end, you actually for a while you think Moon Joe killed everyone. Like that's what you think. That's like when Jungwoo has this whole realization and then they flash back and it's shot really cool because it's all like slow-mo of like, you know, Jungwoo like raising the like axe or whatever, all his- And his face is like delighted. Oh, it is. It's so freaking cool. Like that actually was a really, really cool, like that whole kind of like scene twist thing was very cool. Yeah. And it's definitely like all unreliable narrator. Like at the end. Yeah. There's like a million unreliable narrators because a lot of them are traumatized and a lot of them have really warped memories. You're really not sure what to believe. 
So, okay, so Nuba 3 continues. I believe in this moment is where he went over the edge. Just look at the helpless look the poor guy gives Moon Joe. Moon Joe then touches his throat and says he's the best piece of artwork he's ever created. And then next we're shown his girlfriend witnessing him hallucinating. And I believe Zhang Wu, driven crazy by the realization he enjoyed the murder, starts hallucinating after the conversation with Moon Joe. In this hallucination, he blends fragments of reality, like the scalpel and Moon Joe telling him he's his greatest masterpiece and they'll always be together. Then there's his memories of like the time he almost beat up the guy in the army to death. And then there's these imagined course of events killing Moon Joe. So this like this Reddit theory is that like he hallucinates killing Moon Joe, but actually does not. So some final points this guy makes are that like Moon Joe would never leave his great. He always refers to him as his greatest masterpiece, like throughout the, the drama. So he's obsessed. Like he wants to make his like the apple of his eye, a fellow serial killer with him. So he then continues to stalk Jung Woo. He sneaks into the hospital to show Jung Woo he's still there and gives him back his teeth bracelet. We see the policewoman see him in the elevator. That's when we're not sure if it's a hallucination or not. But this is the first time we see Zhang Wu wearing the teeth bracelet outside of the residence because he did not have it on his first conversation with the policewoman outside on the hospital bench. And Mu Zhou keeps stalking either one or both of them. And you also don't know, like, is he going to, like, kill the policewoman or is he just, like, stalking her to be a creep? Who knows? And Zhang Wu voluntarily wears the teeth bracelet basically as a sign of the bond between him and Moon Zhou. And Moon Zhou really is the final winner of the series because he got everything he wanted and they became a new family of murder butter. <laughs> murder birders murder buddies hooray and the person also liked it i really like this too so i want to include it Munjo gets the last word in the series just as he metaphorically got the last word by killing his family because really his family at that point would like dead weight to him and so he kind of killed two birds with one stone like he wanted his like found family of like misfits gone because they had just gotten too like freaking cuckoo that he like couldn't deal with it because he was like pretty type a and then he wanted jung woo to be his like new murder birder <laughs> and so he gets him to kill them gets rid of them and then like has like transformed this like other guy into like his murder buddy and the very last thing that we hear in the entire show is him saying babe and that's the end yeah I mean, that's the thing. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I mean, I do think that Moonjo can get what he wants and he can, you know, create his best creation and then also still live, obviously. So I kind of feel like both of those things happened. I don't know. I kind of believe he still lived. I did read that whole Reddit thread. And one thing that they mentioned is that so during the drama, Moonjo did a lot of spying on people. And there's always a very certain camera angle when he was spying on people. And that's the camera angle they use at the very end. Like this like, you know, kind of jumpy little camera from far away spying on the policewoman. And you're like, well, that's throughout the drama that's been coded as Moonjo's stalking. So it, it felt like the drama was telling us that he's still there. Unless they're just trying to creep us out and be, I don't know. I still, I feel like the drama was trying to tell us something. Like there, there was, oh, I was going to say there's meat to this drama. Ah, <laughs> I can't stop saying that. But you know what I mean? There's, there was a lot to this drama to ponder. It wasn't just like a base horror with, you know, shock value. Like there was a lot to it to think about. So I don't know. I think he's still alive, but, and they're going to go be murder murder birders together yeah i mean and i was like do i think part of it and this is where like i'm like maybe i'm just like an effing sicko like i kind of wanted him to be alive like i did see there being like a very tight narrative arc where like the creation kills the creator but i feel like this drama ultimately is like it is paced very well in my opinion but i felt like it's like so controlled and that at the end it kind of is such a mess in that last episode but it feels like a very intentional mess agreed intentional mess yes intentional chaos yeah where you're not meant to know what's happening you're meant to be chaotic you're meant to finish it being like what the yeah. heck? like if at the end he just like killed Lee Dong Wook and then like Lee Dong Wook like lives within him as like the like whatever like inspiration of his like new side hustle as the murderer i just don't feel like it's as satisfying as like this just like my where like you really just i feel like what we went along with was like the complete mental breakdown of siwan's character and i really do think that lee dong wook is alive at the end and then i'm like is it wishful thinking because i'm just like a sick ass bastard that like is rooting no. for this but like i 
kind of want him to be i know that's what's crazy it's like i kind of want him to be alive too like it's so weird like go move to busan and open up your dental biz again i'm like yeah it's kind of hard to explain but i felt like yeah i mean the hero of this drama was almost lee dong wook like in a really warped horror psychological movie kind of way yeah lee dong wook was like the hero like it was like his motivation i i don't i don't know it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain it is true. Like, I mean, like, the protagonist is certainly Siwon. And, like, it's not... Look, there were people who died in this drama that I did not want to die. There were plenty of people in this drama who also died that I was, like, fine dying because they were, like... Yeah. Oh, the, like, young boy neighbor. But when, like, the young boy neighbor... Like, there was another... There was a scene where, like... Not a scene. There were a few episodes where, like, Siwon has, like, basically, like, Siwon 2.0 moves in across the street. Oh, he's so sweet. Or across the hall. And he's, like, a young boy rapper wannabe from the country. He's really sweet. And he has this thing where they try to, like, at first, because, like, you're also leaning into this idea that, like, Siwon doesn't know who to trust. That, like, this kid keeps asking him for phone chargers. And, like, Siwon's like, ugh, like, okay. And, like, lets him borrow a phone charger. And then we see the kid in his room. And he's got, like, right. so many phone chargers. Then you're like, oh, my God, is he, like, a freako, too? And then you're like, oh, no, he's probably just, like, lonely. And, like, this is his end to, like, talk to Siwon. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I got to be honest. His death sucked. He fully gets, like, hacked up. And I'm not sure if he's eaten. He certainly, his teeth go on the teeth necklace. His death was the one that sucked, like, the most. Yeah, I felt I did. I didn't like that at all. If it made me feel, it made me feel really bad. But I feel like we needed to have it because a lot of it was like just not very nice people getting yeah. murdered too. And then like, and then there were people that were like main characters that we didn't want to get murdered. Like the policewoman, I wanted her to stay alive, and she did. Like in his case, I felt like we almost had to have the C1 2.0 die just to really feel like how monstrous these people were. Because if it was just monsters killing monsters, it wouldn't feel as sad True. as it did when it was like a monster killing, just like a kid really trying to make it with his little wraps on the corner. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God, I hated it. I know. <laughs> and he was a good rapper too. I just he was it. a good rapper. And he was so cute. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, okay. Final thoughts. I think I'm going to eat vegetarian for dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it's not like I ever like dined on raw meat. Like that was never, I will say. So after I had my two kids, I could no longer tolerate the smell and I still can't. Okay. So my youngest is eight. So it's been like a long time. I still cannot tolerate the smell of beef while it's being cooked. So I can eat a cooked burger. That smells fine to me, but the actual like cooking of ground beef makes me nauseous. I can't cook ground beef i cook ground turkey for everything because and my family's so used to it now they don't even like and my husband prefers it but i cannot cook so actually maybe i shouldn't just be eating raw meat i don't know i can't cook it but i don't know i will say look this drama was crazy to watch and i wouldn't say like i enjoyed it but it really it made me like i'm glad i watched it it made me think it was shot well i love seeing lee dong wook as a serial killer it made me have more respect for him as an actor. Siwon was amazing. Actually, everyone who... Everyone. The whole cast. The whole cast put their all into this. So, I mean, props to them. Props to whoever decided, like, how this was being shot. Because it was, like, shot really cool. I mean, it was... I, like, I recommend it. It's the coolest movie of hopelessness, despair, and cannibalism yeah. that you could ever yeah, hope to watch. it's true. So... If that sounds appealing to you, or if you just really liked hearing us talk about it. Or if, you know, you've got like your stand for Siwon or Lee Dong-wook. I mean, give it a try because it's, it's like nothing else I've seen. And I mean, like, I really think it was incredibly well done. Me too. And if you are listening to this and you've made it to the end, maybe you know, send Amy a nice message on social media, maybe on Instagram. Amy edits the podcast. Yeah, she is going to hate this. <laughs> she has to listen to it. So please, please send Amy a nice message on Instagram or just comment on, you know, our post about this episode and say... Maybe a cute picture, tag her in a cute yeah. picture of Lee <laughs> where he's not like licking his fingers over some raw meat. Yeah, so I'm just going to give a quick book rec. So this is not a horror because, you know, we try to recommend romance books. So I am going to recommend a romance book I recently read where the hero is a psychopath. And by psychopath, I mean he is a diagnosed psychopath. Like he can't understand 
emotions and he talks about that how he has to learn how to like fake emotions and it's pretty interesting so i will say this book is not for the faint of heart at all but if you are familiar with dark romance and that's your cup of tea then i recommend run posy run by kate c wells it's written fantastically it's just a little dark and this is not a cuddly ooey gooey hero in any way so again it's run posy run by kate c wells all right so actually what are you watching just out of curiosity yeah, so I am watching Coffee Prince. We talked about Coffee Prince last episode or two episodes ago when we talked about favorite heroines. So I finally started watching it and I'm just so into it. I mean, I really, truly am. I'm enjoying it so much and I can't wait until we do a deep dive on it like in a few weeks. So what are you watching now? I'm thrilled that you like it. And I am watching Mr. Sunshine. It's a historical, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Unfortunately, it's just been really busy with work lately. Like and so like the last, two nights I feel bad like I fell asleep 20 minutes in both nights but it's actually quite good so I'm on episode 12 there's 24 but I'm really enjoying it and I I like it especially because I really don't know where it's going wait it's 24 episodes are they an hour long they are it's like oh my gosh yeah (gasps) it feels like a very and I mean the production's incredibly high it's Netflix it's Kim on Sook so it's got kind of like that high end that we saw in like King Eternal Monarch although I think like I mean look it could fall apart I feel like it's like it could, but right. it's been well reviewed. And I think that I'm trusting it's going to go somewhere pretty good. And yeah, it's just really like a pleasure to watch. They're like hour long movies. When did this come out? I believe it was like 2018. Oh, so still pretty recent. So at, so King came out after it, basically. I think so. I think it was Goblin. I think it went Descendants, then Goblin, then Mr. Sunshine, and then King, I think. And Mr. Sunshine, I just got to, because like the name also, like we've talked about names, that name like never like hooked me, but it is sweet. It's like the heroine in the, so there's a love pentagram. There's two women, three men, many feelings intermished. And one of the heroines in learning English gets to the S words and has feelings for one of the heroes like one of the characters and like equates it to like there's snow that makes you feel good and sunshine Mm. so she's like mr sunshine and then there's like this like sweetness so there's like actually some like cute reasons for why yeah okay well i i mean i do that is on my list so and pilgu from when the camellia blooms like the little kid he plays the little kid of the main protagonist like like or like he plays not the little kid he plays him as a young kid this kid is amazing he's also in i guess racket boys i think which i need to watch now which is about badminton i mean this kid i'm a fan (laughs) i heard racket boys is like really popular i think like in korea for some reason i thought i saw that on twitter that like that's a really popular drama in korea so what are we doing next week oh so next week (laughs) Leah is not here. So nope, I'll be in Michigan settling in. So it'll be Amy and I and we are taking like (laughs) doing a total 180. And we are doing imaginary cat just you know, this is a very short drama. It's only eight episodes. The episodes are an hour long. So we're talking eight hours. And the main reason we watched it is Yoo Sung Ho is, you know, our favorite from I am not a robot. So he's the hero. And I will tell you, I thought this was just going to be like a quirky, silly drama. It's called Imaginary Cat, but the cat is not imaginary. So we have no idea why it's called Imaginary Cat. And you and Amy are huge cat people. You need yes, to that so out there. <laughs> Amy and I are huge cat ladies. And I do fully believe if you don't like cats, this is not your drama. Like, it's just not your drama. Like, I do think you have to have some sort of affection for cats to like fully get it. But it had an, a surprising amount of depth. Like we both agreed, we were really surprised at how much depth this had. So if you want to watch Imaginary Cat, you have a week and you can watch it with us if you're crazy cat ladies like Amy and I. And I promise that that will have... Do they eat the cat? <laughs> no. I promise you that there is 100% less murdering. And cannibalism. And cannibalism. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. I know, goodness. Sorry, Amy, for editing this. All right. All right. Well, we should probably go so she doesn't. What do we say? (laughs) All right. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind the scenes photos, and of course, of our favorite opas and anis. Annyeong!